Welcome to the Spitball Sessions. Prepare to enter the world of mechanics, the future of game creation, the evolution of design. With your two hosts, Josh Noyes and Luke Boulay, this is the dawning of the new age of remakes. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Spitball Sessions, a gaming concept podcast with uh, no apparent purpose, I guess. Maybe. We'll see. I'm Luke Boulay, and I'll be your host for this session. I'm also joined by our resident editor and parkour fanatic, Josh Noyes. How are things, Josh? You forgot to introduce me as a wrestling correspondent. I did not forget. <laughs> to which I wanted to say, you can't see me. Okay. Well, Josh is invisible. That's great. As an explanation of what we're trying to achieve here, this podcast exists as a means to examine games and discuss their nuances. Mostly, though, it devolves into nonsense, segued into nonsense. All right, so today's, today's topic is going to be an interesting one. Uh, sensory deprivation or a lack of senses in video games. Uh, blindness I, would, I, would argue, I would argue that many, many games attract people with a lack of common sense. Does that count? I don't think common sense is a sense. Darn. Wait. <laughs> it is not something mean. that one perceives. It's not one of the five senses. Yes. It's so, also not the sixth sense. So this was actually inspired. The concept uh, for me was inspired by uh, reading, reading, listening to the, again, going back to the Roguelike Radio podcast. They had on a, uh, a blind player. Oh. Uh, who used the, um, what's it called? They, they used a uh, Telnet reader, okay, which would uh, vocalize the game so that he could actually play. Oh, that's really weird. A roguelike. Yeah, it's, it's very different. And I, I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know, let's be something to, interesting to discuss uh, because a lot of people talk about games being uh, accessible to people with with disabilities of one sort, lacking yes. senses, um missing limbs or or interacting uh with consoles in unique and different ways yes uh one of the most common ones that i know of is color blindness color blindness is a big one but i was thinking what would we get from building a game that was actually built from the ground up not only to support people with a certain sensory loss like sight but also would force the players who do not have this deficiency to play the game in that manner and i should point out there is already um at least one charity out there called uh, able gamers charity uh which actually i believe does actually put money into uh custom gaming setups for people who have various disabilities so uh if if, if you are one of those people who is charitably inclined uh that may be one that you, and, and this is something you're interested in that may be something to do there's also uh I'm unable to find them at the moment, but I know there was actually a um, system out there for people. Or, or there was a like a similar to like how they do like seven day roguelikes and, and game jams. There was a sort of a special game jam type thing for uh, designing games for people with disabilities. Um, at one point, they did a bunch of games that could only be played that could be played by people with like muscular dystrophy. Um, so they all only required one button or didn't require uh, frequent button presses. Sounds like something that, um, what is that called? Uh, Bitrip Runner would have been derived uh, from. Bitrip Runner worked very well. A Flappy Bird, actually, I think, was, was 
not didn't come from that, but they 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 uh, somebody invented a game. I mean, this was probably five or six years before Flappy Bird, but I mean, in retrospect, is very very similar. So those people who played like Flappy Bird or those kinds of games, you know, it's it's one of those like one touch. I mean, ironically, a lot of the the, the sort of the one touch games for iPad actually played out very similar to a lot of these games, but these, this was all back in like 2008, 2007 before the iPad really even took off. So, um, I don't know if they're still doing it. I was trying to do some quick research to see if I could find it, but I, I'm not able to, but there, there are actually people out there who are, are very much and very invested in this topic. So yes, they're definitely, uh, we, we are not the only minds behind this. Oh yes, of course. Yes. So, I'm not quite sure what direction to go in this. I, I have a couple of ideas, but I don't want to jump straight into them. Okay. Um, well, I guess I, we could start with color blindness. Well, I was going to say maybe maybe the thing to start by doing is like I think I think there's two ways to look at this, and I, I had I had a similar idea in my notes at one point. Are we designing these games to show what it is like to have these disabilities, or are these games that people with these disabilities can play? I was thinking of having it be both ways. Okay. Because I, I know at one point I had thought about what would it be like to have a game where the main character is blind. But I feel like that's very different from a game that you could play if you're blind. No, that's true. And there is actually some games out there uh, that work under that premise. Yes. Um, there's, oh, I can't remember the name of the game. There's a horror game that uses sound. Or a lot of those. To ping out. And you perceive... Uh, the environment around you yes. through the sound waves and how they interact with the surfaces. I believe that the uh, the Higurashi games, which I don't like, but um, I guess they're technically visual novels, but uh, they're actually what are called sound novels, and most of the game is based around the audio cues. Um, there is still a fair amount of reading in them, so you couldn't solely do it, but I think it, it would be possible to do a... I mean, certainly, I mean, we're going to be talking about visual novels later, but certainly a game like that or an audio text, I mean, audio text adventures, like text adventures with the audio parsers would be, would be very easy. Um, but even like a game where, you know, you're exploring the world and the only thing you have is, is video, is audio cues that get f nearer and further away, I think would be very interesting. Yeah. I think couple, coupling with that, with, uh, uh, well, you don't even need to go with the full VR if this was a blind game. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think yes, I exactly. read, I think, <laughs> obviously, but with like a 3D headset yes. that could provide three-dimensional sound. Or, or even just very, very good, you know, 5.1 5 headphones. So, like they make those now. So like you could use the handles from, is it the HTC Vive that has the handles? Yeah. Uh, you could use those along with a sound system to try to locate sounds and kind of like you, you're scored on how close you like so you can hear it and you're trying to track out in a room where yep. the sound is and you identify it by like clicking the button with their controller as close to it as possible and you're scored with how close you get well i was i was, I was even thinking like well yes that that would be really cool i was even thinking like not so much like finding places in, i mean like I, I like that idea but that's that's a very um I mean, as an experiential game of what's it like to be blind, that would be very interesting, I think. Although I could see it being really good for a person who's newly blind. Yes. Sharpening their skills. Yes, that would be perfect. But, uh, like, I, I was even imagining, like, say you're lost in, like, you, you lost in a cave and you have, like, some sort of fever that makes it really, really hard. To, like, you could see occasionally, but for the most part, you can't see or it's very, 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 very blurry. Um, so, like, you have to use, like, 
oh, I can hear water over there. Like, this doesn't work fully blind. Like, I don't know that a blind person can necessarily play, play it the way I'm imagining it, but like. But there are partially blind people. Right, right. But 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 what I'm saying is this, this is this is more for what is it like to be a blind person mm-hmm. of you wake up with a really bad fever. You could just barely see a little bit. And then the game gives you a lot of like, like tells you what you're feeling, like what. Like when you feel something, it's like, oh, you feel moss here. Oh, this feels wet. So you're using audio cues and touch senses to to feel things. And I'm not like the fact that there would then be reading involved would mean it might be more difficult for blind people. Although, again, you could use text to speech parsers or whatever. Yeah. But um, like, I think that would be very good for what's it like to be a, a blind person? And what is it like to, you know, what if you are lost in the woods? How do you get out or even um, one that I actually, again, we'll, we'll be talking about this game a little bit more later, but um, in the visual novel section, but the uh, Katawa Shoujo games actually had a character who was blind and it recounted how she did things like making tea and all these things that I had never considered how difficult it would be to do that if you were blind. Oh yeah, making tea would be really dangerous if you were blind. Well, she actually did it very well and never got burned and because she knew exactly, you know, it, it, it talks a lot about how your everything everywhere you are would be very regimented and very rigid and you would know exactly where everything is all the time. Yeah. Um but like that would be really interesting like a game like Gone Home but you're blind. Yeah. And you have to just get through a day. I mean, again, that's not necessarily a quote unquote fun game, but if you want to do a, like a sympathy, for for sympathy, sympathy gaming, I believe is what it's called. Like cart life or one of those kinds of games. uh, I think that would really be interesting. Like, or or not even necessarily sympathy game. Like I would like to know what it would be like to have to do. Like, I hope that I and people that I know never have to experience that, but I would kind of like to know because I think it would make me a better person. Yeah, I um, think I think what would definitely improve that, make or break the game, would be a really strong narrative, a good story to go along with yes. what's going on. It could just be like, oh, get up in the morning, make your toast, I mean, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I think there, there'd be some of that, but coupling that with the story of the person who you're doing would be I, crucial. To I, I think really it depends on, how you're, on how you're doing it, whether you want to do it solely as a, this is what it's like to be a blind person or here's a story that also happens to have a blind person as a main. I mean, one thing you could actually do that I think would be really interesting would be a blind detective solving a murder mystery. That'd be interesting. That would yeah. be really interesting. And then you could actually, it, then it would feel a little bit like, um, subsurface circular. No, the, uh, the, the heavy rain, heavy rain, it would feel like heavy, you know, it would, then, then it would sort of be like heavy rain, uh, except rather than all being, um, weird joystick prompts, it would be, inter- you know, learning how to maneuver while not being able to see things and feeling right. your way around and stuff. I think that could be, you know, and then like you're saying, then you get the narrative, but then you also get the, oh, you're going to go home and make lunch in between. You have these sort of quieter scenes. And then you also could deal with things like getting locked in a room, getting lost, trying to track somebody like that. That would actually provide a lot of different ideas. So I think, yeah. I think maybe a, a, de- a blind d- detective would be really interesting. <laughs> And also, yeah. I mean, we already have one of the most famous samurai movies uh, series is is blind uh, Zatoichi. Oh yeah, um, is, is a very very famous Japanese samurai uh, film series about a, a blind samurai. Which I've never even heard of. That. They're they're real good. They're good movie. Like eh, you might not like them. They're they're they're, they're definitely very R rated, but they are, uh, are are for blood primarily. But they are they tell a good story. They're, they're 
I like stories about people with weird, I mean, I guess being blind is a weird disability, but with disabilities sort of triumphing over them and becoming more powerful because of them, perhaps. And that's a very common, uh, uh, I want to say Japanese yeah. uh, thing. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's part of their culture to overcome difficulty. I, I would say it's sort of like the, uh, the, the samurai version of Trigun. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah. you know, pe- people out there who like Trigun, check out Zadoichi. It's it's real good. Um, a lot of them are not necessarily in English, but if you can find them, check them out. Um, so that's that's I think I think that really handles blindness. Mm. Um, I mean, deafness isn't really that hard to convey in in games. No, and 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 you kind of get like tastes of it in in certain games. Like in a lot of war games, they like to deafen you with special sound yeah. effects that make it sound like you've got tinnitus and. I, I really hate, like, they actually have that in uh, Hollow Knight, which we were playing a little while ago. And Oh, yes. Ooh, the music and everything, it just goes into a fuzzy haze It, it gets fuzzy haze, and then it gets really quiet every time you get hit. And it's just like, in some game, like, I, like in a war game, I understand. Like, if Shell lands near you, you're going to get tinnitus for a few seconds as, you know, the because of the, the, the strong compression of the audio waves. But mm-hmm. in a game like Hollow Knight, it doesn't make any sense. Like... I understand why they like. I understand why they think they're doing it, but it doesn't make sense in the way that actual hearing works. Um, but also, just it's like I don't know. It's I don't like people messing with my audio. Like for me, like audio is the thing, and I don't like like anytime people messes mess with it, it freaks me out. So I just don't like it's. It'd be one thing if it was necessary for the sake of the story, <coughs> or right. But yeah, like I am, I'm already somebody who like when he gets really, really tired, starts hearing things. So like having people mess with my audio really freaks me out. Yeah. Uh, like I, I get, I have real bad ringing in my ears when I get really tired and that freaks me the heck out. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't like me messing with audio, but I think, I mean, being blind is not necessarily hard because I don't know about you, but I play a lot of games with the audio off. Yeah. Or being deaf, I mean. Yeah, no, I don't think... There's not much uh, in in games that's... Like, living life deaf is frustrating. Yes. But, like, for me, it's definitely when I play with audio off, it drives me nuts. I can't handle it. Okay. I don't I don't like being without audio, so... Uh, See, I tend, I tend to listen to podcasts while I play games, so... Yeah. You know, I, I have my head... Like, I have audio on, but I don't necessarily have game audio on. Well, yeah, I tend to be very reliant on the audio cues yeah. in games and stuff like that. I, I think it depends. I think games like Kerbal um, are much more important, whereas in Crusader Kings, I find it no, not that's particularly true. useful. There are certain games where it's just, like, tactical games and stuff like that, where, yeah... So uh, deafness is not usually something that's that's called upon in in games I mean, because most people who are deaf are just used to it and yeah I mean they can go about their business without too much trouble. There are definitely games where it is where you lose something from the like there are some games with some good audio cues. There, like I, I imagine a first person shooter as a deaf person would be much much more difficult. Oh yes, um, as opposed to say you know, especially when it uses full surround audio. Yeah, I mean. Well, and, and, and a lot of games now have audio cues to tell you where people are and all that sort of stuff. Um, whereas a strategy game or tactical game, not so much. So, I mean, I, I, I possibly am being very insensitive here by not understanding the dif- how difficult it is. Um, but, I mean, I, I certainly would not necessarily want to play first-person shooter. Like, I can't play Overwatch. Like, I need the headphones on when I'm playing Overwatch. I can't imagine playing that deaf. Well, imagine imagine playing something like a racing game like Project Cars without yeah. the, the ability to hear your engine and, and how it's performing. I, I do actually play Project Cars with, with without 
See, I, I I have to be able to hear the engine yeah. in the car to know. But I mean, again, it, it it would definitely make the game harder in some ways. It would certainly remove something from the game. But if you're a deaf person, I imagine you already drive without audio yeah. cues. Yeah, you're used so. to it, and you've already. It's something that that uh, like is a lot easier to adapt to. Right. I would expect. Also, they're not hearing me say any of this, so. <laughs> Yes, but there is such a thing as as Google Translate. That's true. Uh, Even if it's bad and all all they hear is weird random nonsense. True. Um, No, I mean, certainly I am, uh, as somebody who is not deaf, I am probably, you know, I'm sure they're, I'm sure it is much, much more frustrating than simply, well, they don't have to deal with this. They don't don't get to hear this anyway, so they're used to it. Right. I mean, I'm sure they would love to, but like playing a game while blind, I think is, is much like, you can still enjoy 80% of a video game if you're deaf. Yeah. You know, you can enjoy the the platforming parts and the tactical parts and the the parts that require sight and, and coordination much more. Which um, are, uh, sight is far more required in, in video in games video game. than sound. I mean, there, there are definitely games where you can't, like, you can't play Myst. You can't mm. play The Witness. Like, there are, especially in adventure games, I imagine it's very difficult. Um, but I think, like... The, I mean, ironically, actually, visual novels are one, again, which we're talking about later. Uh, but that's one where I feel like losing the, the speech would actually be a bummer. But a lot of games, a lot of those games don't have speech anyway. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, it's one of those, like, could we make, I mean, I think there are things you could do in first-person shooters to make them more friendly for uh, deaf people. Like, you could have, um, and some games are already starting to do this. Sound you, indicators. You know, sound indicators. You could have flashing light. Yeah, you could have little flashes and stuff. And some games are already starting to do this. It's, I see it more tactic in tactic and strategy games now. Yeah. Like, one thing I would love to see is real-time strategy games that have visual cues instead of just auditory cues for when you're being attacked. Oh, yeah. I mean, they do pop up a little thing down in the corner, but, you know, if you're already be, uh, dealing with 15 things at once... Like a lot of those things are audio cue based, which can be, I imagine, frustrating for somebody like yeah. trying to play StarCraft who's deaf. Especially if you miss something important. Right. Especially if you miss something important, which, I mean, whatever. I'm never going to be Diamond League. So, you know, again, <laughs> I barely I, reached silver. Yeah, exactly. So I don't necessarily know. Like, I can sympathize, but on the other hand, I'm not necessarily sure that I can say that people who are deaf probably. There are, I'm sure there are deaf players out there who are already far better than me at StarCraft, so they probably don't need my Excuse help me. on that. Oh, yeah. As far as playing, making a game where the premise is that you're a deaf person... I think it, it's, uh, it leads to the same problem. I guess uh, if you did, did your research, you could probably build a game around... Um, oh, well, like maybe... Um, what is that called? There, There are certain conditions where people like... They hear one thing, but they perceive another. Yes. Like, uh, yes. What is that? It's not synesthesia. It's called aphasia. Aphasia. Yes. Yeah. So imagine playing a game where that's the premise. I mean, premise where, where like in a in a shooter. Yes. Uh, all the sounds are <laughs> dynamically random. I think that would get really annoying. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that would. Quit. And and that's not deafness. That's that's usually after something like stroke. Like yes. that's not quite the same. I actually was thinking you could do something like the Shiva. Where it's an adventure game, but you can only ask questions in sign language, and since most people, or or by writing them, and since most people don't speak sign language, um, I imagine they would get fr- you know they might they might 
be less willing to talk to you if you're writing everything. Actually, when you put it that way, that would be a really interesting thing to just like experience from the adventure game perspective. Yes. What that would be like to try to communicate with people who just don't understand your disability. Yes. No, totally. They're talking to you um, and you can barely hear anything, let alone what they're saying. No, I I actually worked with a gentleman who, uh, when I I used to work at Target, who was completely deaf or almost completely deaf. Um, and I knew just enough sign language to sort of get by and he could read, read lip fairly well. And he, he was an older gentleman, you know, he was like late fifties, early sixties. Um, and very like the friendliest guy there, like always happy to see everybody like run up, give you a hug, like shake your hand, like very, very happy. And he and I like actually managed to have several very good conversations despite me barely being able to speak sign language and him being able to talk, but not necessarily hear what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he and I managed to get along fairly well. Um, but yes, there were a lot of people there who would not even like part of the reason we got along very well is because I would actually talk to him. A lot of people just did not even have the patience to try. Um, yeah. whereas, you know, I learned a sign language when I was two or three, so I know some of it, but I've forgotten most of it, but you know, I still, I still remember some. So like I was able to sort of make it work, but yeah, I think a lot of kids just, or a lot of people just don't have the patience for what kind of they features? think that if you speak louder and slower, they will understand you, which is not how it works. No. Uh, what kind of features would you include in a, in a game like this? What kind of details would you? So I would I would say number one is no sound at all, no audio cues at all. Are you um, sure? Because uh, to me, it would seem a little more powerful if you would just be able to hear like the subtle hum of noise you wouldn't be able to understand anything well well, that's, I, but that's let's, like let's that's different from audio cues. Out. oh yeah no audio cues but like if someone's talking to you you just get this squashed out hum of them trying to say something i think it depends because there are some people for whom it is complete silence and there are some people for whom it is a very very low you know like peanut speech um i think for me it would be i think complete silence would make it just so much more stark Mm, that's true. As no, opposed, no music at all. No, I mean you. Yeah. It is no. You know what you do? Mm-hmm. You a very, 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 very subtle heartbeat. Yeah. Or you know, because there there is that like if your ears are really stopped up, you you could hear like yeah, you're a little bit of your own because you're not you're not actually hearing your heartbeat. You're actually you're feeling it. Yeah, you're feeling it, and it, it comes through in your, your... And, and, and and your breathing is the sort of the same. Like you know, I, that's what I would have is it would be that's like if you completely plug your, which may not actually be what life sounds like to a deaf person, but it's the closest I can get in my mind to imagining it is. It would help reinforce that feeling, right? And it, it would. It, it, I think that for people who are not deaf, that is the closest we are going to get to understanding it. So that people would instantly be like, oh, you know. So it's. Very slight breathing, very sl- very subtle heartbeat, and that's it. Now, what about uh, something like lip reading? Or do you have that in there as kind of like subtitles? Like when you can read the lips, then you'd be able to pick out what they're saying. And some like what I see is kind of like being a thing that happens is when people talk too fast, and you're having and you're in in the story, you're having trouble following them. You only get parts of the conversation. I think that would be interesting. I th- I think it depends on how much accuracy is important to what you are doing in the game. Well, you could actually you could actually play that out in in a very interesting way uh-huh. uh, by having it be like a couple of deaf characters, like okay. like a couple, a married couple that happens to be deaf, 
And so there's one person who's completely deaf. They can only sign. Which is actually fairly common. Can't can't really lip read. And then you have like another character who who can lip read. So you get this diversity mm-hmm. in interaction by playing the different players. So like player one or player one. Uh, or actually maybe the way to do it is one of them could hear a little bit and the other one could lip read. Yeah, and so so that would that would also reinforce that whole the strength of one person's really yes. deaf and the other person's not. This person can understand lips, this person cannot, and it would it would add variety to the game as yes. well. And give a, an opportunity for a really interesting story. Yeah, I think I think the yeah, I mean it's one of those games that there's part of me that would actually love to try writing that because I think it would be really really interesting, but there's also a part of me that is like the writing for that would have to be so no pun intended, so pitch perfect. Oh, yeah. Like, you would, like, it's one of those, like, I could picture a hundred different versions of this game and 99 of them would be awful and embarrassing. Yeah, you'd have to have some humor in it, but you could not get too carried away or it would destroy it. I don't, I don't, I think, well, I think you, I I think you could have some humor in it, but I don't think it would be, like, it could not be a comedy game. No, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is is you'd you'd have to be able to lighten the mood with some comedy, but not make it the premise. You could not get too carried away with that. You'd have to set the mood just right, but you can't get overly dramatic. But also, but also, even just like the dialogue would have to be very like very yeah. good. And if you're gonna make it a mystery game, like the mis- the 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 mystery can't be from the character's inability to read lips, like inability to read lips could cause a red herring if you think the guy said, I don't know. I went down to the Rite Aid on Tuesday. And what he actually said was, I went down to the grocery store on Tuesday. Like, maybe something like, I mean, those two aren't close enough to confuse Yeah, somebody. I got you. But, like, you could, you could have subtle misdirections there. But if, if the whole plot is, oh, you misunderstood this guy when he was lip reading and that threw the whole thing off, like, that would be... Bad. Play, players would be upset by that, I think. Yeah. And now I'm sure that is something that, in real life, happens to deaf people a lot. But obviously, plot in a game has to be more structured than real life. Yes. So there are there are things that in real life we accept that we do not accept in stories. So yeah, I could. It's it's one of those like I can imagine a hundred versions of that story, and ninety nine of them are really bad. And yeah, it's it, it's it's all comes down to that very very subtle writing and cueing that I mean has broken a lot of games. I mean, the difference between a great game and a mediocre game often comes down to the the intangibles, let's say. I got another one I want to okay. I want to throw at you as, as just I want to know what your opinion is. Can we and I, I think I know your answer to this. Could we actually re-engineer the witness to be colorblind friendly? Could we? Yes. Would we want to? There's, I mean, a, I there's think, a lot to that game that requires... Uh, I think Jonathan Blow has specifically said that... I'm, I'm going to make it sound more offensive than it, than it was, obviously. You know, it's like... It wasn't him. It was some. Other, it was somebody else. But it was it was a developer at one point basically made a joke and said, well, you know, if they're not going to deign to be willing to see colors like the rest of us do, then, you know, it's their own fault. Obviously meant in a very, very light way because at some point it is... You know, obviously he wasn't trying to talk crap about colorblind people, but, you know, he was trying to make light of right. the situation. But... um the witness is such a weird beast as far as that goes. And it makes me, I mean, it relies on all of your senses and at one place or another, you need audio. uh, You need to be able to listen really well. 
you need to be able to see in color. Um, it's very unforgiving game when it comes yeah. to anything but I mean, like that. But but to be fair, it's I mean actually multiple groups like the uh, the star puzzles actually are even difficult if you're colorblind. Like, yes, like colorblind is actually like the de- I think you I think you could redo it to get rid of the the audio cues. Um, I'm not sure you could do it to make it colorblind friendly. Especially um, that that one room with the flowers and the 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 colored glass and the lighting and the well, elevator. There, yeah, I mean that, that one, whole area would be. Uh, I think would be. I mean, you, you, would, you would totally have to redo the puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, like like the the audio puzzles. I think you could mostly redo. I'm not sure I have a better idea, which is why I think he's. But I mean, at some point, like if you're bad with spatial things, you're going to have trouble with that game. If you are bad with math, you're going to have trouble with parts of that game. Like, which is not to say that colorblindness and deafness are necessarily let is not to say that, that not being good at math is, 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 is as much of a disability as being colorblind or being deaf. But like at some point, I think that that, that one game I'm willing to give a pass to because there are parts of it that exclude those things, but there are also parts of it that exclude people not who, who aren't necessarily disabled, but just have bad skills in certain things. I mean, there, there, there is definitely like, I've definitely seen articles saying that, you know, all games should be accessible to all people. And I don't think that's true in general. I think if you were specifically excluding people because of actual disabilities, that's harsher. But at the same time, I'm not sure how you would remake the witness. Yeah. And keep it what it is. And, and, and you you can't honestly in good conscience say, uh, regardless of how nice it'd be for everyone to be able to enjoy it, that that the witness should not exist because it's in, inaccessible. No, I mean I well I can't in good conscience say any game shouldn't exist as much as I might find. Any, I mean there are a number of games that I find absolutely abhorrent and detestable, but it, you know it's not my place to tell people what they should and should not be designing. That's true. Um, like. Our, our, we aren't the anti-pitch podcast. We're the pitch podcast. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I'll just say, I think Postal is a disgusting game, but a lot of people really like that game, and it's not my business to tell people how to spend their free time or their money. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I will say this about The Witness. I would love it if it could be made accessible to everybody because I think it is a game that everybody should get, should have the ability to play and enjoy. That said, I think part of the, some of the things that are most powerful about that game are going to be inaccessible to various types of people, not solely just colorblind and deaf. Like, the whole philosophical layer of that game is going to be missed by many, many people, and not because they have any major disability, but simply because they're just not the kind of people who can grasp it. That's true. And I does that make their enjoyment of The Witness any less? No. That said, you can get inside the base with only seven uh, lasers. So you could theoretically skip both the conservatory and the audio cues, although they are the getting inside. There is still going to be color-based puzzles inside the thing. So it's it's really hard to make that argument. That's true. Um, but yes. All right. Anything else we want to discuss? I feel like I've now been I feel like I am now justifying excluding people. And I really apologize if, it, if I came across that way. Well, there's, it's not a matter of excluding people. It's a, it's a, it is something to, to be said to understand that not all games can be for all people. Right. And as sad as that is, and, and trust me, I do think that it's, 
it's no good when when somebody can't play something that they want to play just yes. because of a disability. It it happens sometimes. And but I, I mean, I will also say, and 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 again, this is not to say that they are the same level, but I my my lack of of I don't know whether it's motor skills or or or, or competence, but. I will never be able to play a fighting game well. So, you know, I, I totally understand people who are frustrated by being excluded, but at the same time, y- you know, I think people should be allowed to have the games that they want to play, even if I'm not allowed to be, even if I'm not able to participate in them. Like, yeah, not, it sucks that not all games are for everybody, but at the same time, not all games can be for everybody. And right. You know, the, the further you are down that tree, certainly the more, the more my sympathy goes out to you. Um, All right. Well, uh, is there any other types of disability we want to address? Well, I mean, well, there's people who can't. I guess people who can't taste aren't very common. People who can't smell doesn't affect video games. I mean, I would say there is definitely you know motor control, tick ticks, people ticks, muscular dystrophy, that kind of thing. Like people who can't use all of their. Yeah. I mean, there are some games that have done really well at this. I mean, there are obviously there are entire genres nowadays that theoretically people could play who have that like you know a war game doesn't require you to have good twitch control twitch reflexes like you know my my twitch skills do not uh you know i could play cataclysm or dwarf fortress even if i only have one finger you can you just need to take your time you need to take your time i mean you know and like there's a guy now who is playing dota with his feet because he can't use his arms like if you can play dota with your feet better than some people who are playing dota with their hands like i feel like at some point if 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 it is something that you want badly enough you will find a way to do it uh actually that reminds me of something this is a little off topic but maybe not there's a guy on uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. It might have been three years now. On um, AGDQ, yeah, who who explained that he broke his hand. Yep. Um, one summer, and he spent an entire summer playing, uh, Super Mario sixty four with one hand, Jeepers. and he got so good at it, he can speed run Super Mario sixty four with one hand. Wow. And he got a pretty impressive time with that. Yeah, it was it was amazing to watch because they had a close up of the controller one hand and it was doing everything one handed. Very impressive. Yeah, no, I mean that's. I mean, actually, the uh, the original. Whoops, sorry, I hit my microphone. Uh, the original NES actually they had you know Japan not in not in the U.S. unfortunately, but they had a controller that was basically folded over itself so you could play it all with one hand, mainly for JRPG players. Mm. Oh, you know, I uh, that was another thing interesting I've seen is. I forget the game. It was a dwarf game for the SNES. Uh, you play as dwarves. Okay. And it had a multiplayer and one guy playing two. Well, it was a four character game, okay. but you could swap between them. So with two controllers taped back to back, he was able to play two characters at the same time. Wow. And he speed run the game with all four characters and you have to like get them to the end of the level. Oh, are stuff. you thinking of uh, the Lost Vikings? Yes, that's yes. it. That was a very, they're not dwarves, they're Vikings. They're Vikings. They look like, that was one of the that was one of the first Blizzard games, I believe. It, I think you're right, yes. actually. Yes, and watching that, that's it, it's impressive to see what people can do with uh, self-imposed limitations. Yes, uh, and and that goes with anyone else there with non-self-imposed limitations. Just try. You yes. never know what you can pull off if, as long as you don't say, "I can't do this." Yes, I mean, and, and again, like I said, like 
I think where you can, you should make, like, especially like colorblind. And we've said this before, like with the exception of a game, like the witness, it is, I'm not going to say it is trivial, but it is not, it is not excessively impossible to make a colorblind friendly mode for most games. Right. Even if it's through modding and on top of that, by being a part of the community, a supportive and constructive part of the community, uh, encouraging developers who don't have those kinds of features to include them in their game, uh, giving them the resources they need to know how to do that is important. Well, like I, like I think it was, it might've been Tom Francis. I don't necessarily want to give somebody credit who, who isn't, but it's, it's one of those, uh, like either Tom Francis or Brendan Chung or one of, one of those like really small level community play, uh, games, you know, a guy who, who sells probably eight, eight to 10,000 copies, but is also really good with their community. Yeah. And I remember at one point, one of their games, like somebody said, Hey, I'm colorblind and I can't play this game. And within an hour he had a colorblind patch out. Like, you know, if you're like, <clears throat> and obviously with a game of that size, it's a lot easier than with a super, super, you know, it's a lot easier with that game than it is with, say, Assassin's Creed. That's true. But, you know, Assassin's Creed could do it if they didn't care so much about their art stuff. Yep. Like, you know, like even the Batman games, like they stopped letting you wear the goggles because it was ruining, you know, because they were spending all this art budget on the art and they wanted you to appreciate it. So they made it harder to wear the Batman goggles. Like, you know, if you didn't care, you know, like, yes, your art is supposed to look good. I understand that. But at some point, it's like if that, if you are so up your own butt about the art budget that it is detracting from, pe- it is keeping people from playing your game, like, get over yourselves. Right. Um, I think, you know, and, and I think the bigger the studio, that definitely becomes a, look, get over yourselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, I, th- I think that's sort of where I come back to is like, I don't think people should should be wantonly excluded. It's more that I think there are some games that just happen to exclude people. But at the same time, like, yes, if there is something you can do to make your game more inclusive, certainly, especially for people who are disabled, like, absolutely do it if you can. Like, if, if you can, if it's not completely insane. Like, I mean, I talked to you about the other day about somebody saying that we should remove all difficulty from games because that excludes people. And I'm like, no. that seems a little bit of a stretch because, yes, sure, there are some people who can't necessarily play all games. I think that's going a little bit too far. But yes, things like colorblindness, deafness, blindness, if you could find ways to... Inco- I mean, blindness, again, gets very, very difficult because games are a visual medium at some point. But like, yeah. if, if you can find ways to do it, do it. Yeah. I mean, that's really where I, I think I come back to on this is if you can do it, if you can't, get as close as you can. Fantastic. Okay. Um <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of, like, one-button games for people with, with muscular dystrophy. There are a lot of those kinds of games. I'm trying to think about if there's a way to make a game that plays like that experience. And... Uh, I mean, most of those games can be played by a single person, and, and I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that there's anything out there to give you the experience of such a such a situation. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, as unfortunate as an analogy as this is, I would say that... You know, to some extent, Octodad will get you close to sort of that feeling of not having f- complete control over your yeah. limbs. But I would, really, I would really hate to tell somebody, hey, if you want to experience life as a somebody with muscular dystrophy, go Play check out Octodad. <laughs> well, not go, no, Octodad. Not I, I know. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, it's the yeah. same idea. Just no. It, 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 it feels very dismissive. It's not meant to be, but it feels no. very dismissive. 
Uh, but well, I mean, in a way, or another one, Surgeon the Simulator, because of the limited way. Yeah. That you, and there, I think there are mods or special game modes which make that even more difficult. Right, but I mean, again, like that's I don't think that's an accurate representation of no. somebody with that. I mean, it's funny, but it's not necessarily that. Like, well, it's not even funny if you, it, it it will allow you to think about what someone might be going through when they true. have no motor skills. That's true. So, yeah, unlike be... coming from someone who has a kid who scored really, really low in the state motor coordination skills, That's true. I was terrible. That's and true. It, it's not You're something that terrible. people think about. Yes, yes, I am. I'm, I'm a horrible person. I, I can't throw a baseball to save my life. True. Well, I think that's going to be it for this episode, uh, this half. Uh, we will return shortly with the mouthwash. And welcome back to the mouthwash where we spit fiery hot truths like wisdom from the bows of lady justice herself which actually is the wisdom is arrows along with just a hint of minty freshness ah so minty uh today we're going to be talking about i think the genre that luke keeps trying to claim is my favorite but i don't necessarily know that it is because i'll be honest i don't necessarily have the patience to get through most of them uh all the time uh visual novels well you certainly talk about them a lot i talk about them a lot i think it is an art form that I think I talk about them a lot partially. I don't want to necessarily say out of contrarianism but or, or spite, but definitely because I, I think that they are a thing that are dismissed by a lot of people as quote-unquote not real games or quote-unquote not worth playing or, you know, books with, with pretty graphics. or so. Like, all of which is not necessarily wrong, but also is not necessarily a good reason to dismiss them out of hand. No, that's true. So yeah, I think um, I think a lot of the problem most people have with this particular genre is uh, the uh, large amount, not completely, but a, a decent amount of explicit content that they that do people exists. do people actually have a problem with that aside from like you? Well, I'm I'm sure plenty of people avoid that True. for that reason. For the stigma, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I will say that nowadays, I mean, now where they are showing up a lot on Steam, it is much easier than ever to find ones that don't have explicit content in them because Steam has taken out, like the ones on Steam have removed most of the explicit content. But even before that, I mean, let's be fair, it was hard, it, it is hard to, certainly legally, it is hard to get a hold of a lot. Up until the last couple of years, it was hard because you had to either import a disc from Japan or pirate the disc. Then you had to f- track down an English patch for it. Then you had to apply the patch, and then you had to. S- then you could finally sit down and read it. By that point, you're two hundred dollars in the hole, maybe if you're importing it or you know pirating at the very least. If you're not, so I mean, it. I think between the difficulty getting hold of them, the stigma around some of the yeah, like you said, the the explicit content, and that people don't want to be seen as being creeps, and the. Um, you know, the price and the amount of work involved in playing them. I can certainly understand why they are not as popular as I think maybe they should be. But I still think that dismissing them solely because, well, they're not really games, I think is a really, really bad way to get that argument across. Like, I think I think there are, like, I just listed three. I think there are perfectly justifiable reasons for not wanting to play them. 
it's the part where people are like, well, they're not games, so I don't want to play them, is the part where I take issue. Like, Yeah, well, I, I can understand that. And if there's one thing that we, we do our best to do is is uh, using uh, excuses to not play something. Right. I mean, you know, uh, there are plenty of games the, I don't play, but... Yeah, the, the it's not really what it claims to be, therefore it's not worth playing, is never a good arguing yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you're a person who doesn't like sitting down and reading 3,000 words of text in an after, for an evening, like, yes, it's not for you, and that's fine. Like, I don't think all games are for all people anyway, like we've talked about that many times, but... I think there are valuable things to be gained from it, and I think that people who just want to immediately dismiss them out of hand are missing... I mean, they're missing out on a whole lot of really interesting stuff that's going on, um, both in the what is known as the OELVN, Original English Language Visual Novel Community, and the regular Japanese professional video, uh, visual novel community. Uh, one that I will actually talk about first, or two that I'll actually talk about first... Um, are actually from the original English language visual novel community. Um, and you've probably heard of this developer because she's become very popular in the last couple, or more, much better known in the last couple of years, uh, primarily due to her association with certain causes, let's say. But uh, Christine Love had a really interesting game called Don't Take This Personally, Babe, It Just Ain't Your Story, um, which was her attempt at exploring the concept of... Uh, I mean, I guess people discovering their sexuality, but also just a, a teacher who is learning how to cope in a world in which everybody else doesn't understand the concept of privacy. Um, and I think the world around which this idea was contrived or, or conceived is, is feels very contrived. You and I have discussed before that I don't think a world will ever exist in which people don't understand the basic concept of privacy. Yeah, like and, and what Josh means specifically is not not privacy and like. Uh, uh, oh, I just walked into in on you in the bathroom. I shouldn't have done that. We're talking about Big Brother type of well, no, well, no, we're we're actually talking about people like not paying attention, like not caring about what the what they post yeah. on Twitter that gets yeah, seen. Yeah, not and... not not taking care to to protect themselves from doing or saying something that could get them in trouble. Right, in and the public and, purveyance. And I think that people definitely, especially with Facebook and Twitter, are much more open and much more willing to say in public things that they probably shouldn't. But I think the idea that we will ever get to the point where people will just willy-nilly post, like, you know, nude pictures of themselves or post that they're gay or post, all, you know, just on Twitter where everybody can see it and not care about that fact seems unlikely to me. I mean, I guess some people do it now, but I feel like the point, getting to the point where everybody in the world will do that and not even think about it seems... It's much, much more likely that uh, a situation would arise with, like, revenge Yes, exactly. Where, where you you have a, a a mate or I guess a boyfriend who you send in, inappropriate pictures, you break up, and they decide to punish you by posting your pictures online. Right. That's a thing that happens, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about people putting up way more than they should right. in a public and, place, and not me and not caring that you know, knowing like for example that a teacher is following them at all times and not caring like that just seems unlikely to me. Um, Although that's not the only game out there that's touched upon that no i mean what was that other game orwell no well orwell kind of covered that that ground but there was another game that almost was like a visual novel one of the one of the story points was uh i guess a girl who found out her 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 teacher was taking photographs of her students his students i guess i don't know what game that was Ah, i forget what that was i i remember that it was something uh it was a playstation title 
I can't remember the name of it. PlayStation 1? No, PlayStation 3, I think. Uh, are you thinking of uh, Persona? No. No, no, no. It's not a Jap- Japanese game. It's. I don't know. Uh, it'll come to me, I'm okay. sure. It was uh, something about photographs in the name. It'll come to me. Okay. Um, it's unrelated anyway. I don't know why I bring it up. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know. There was also like, well, I understand that Christine Love is a, uh, you know, is a gay writer. Like the fact that every single one of her characters and every single one of her stories is always gay, and that she apparently thinks that you know, you know, the fact that she thinks that gay people can turn straight people gay really bothers me. The fact that that is it in multiple of her stories, mm-hmm. um, like not 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 that a person is a closeted gay person, but he's straight and is turned gay by the power of gayness of gayness just like that is yeah, and, contrary and, to science and you know it, it, it comes across as being very and, fetish and and yeah uh, considering the fact that most homosexuals would say that no one can turn them straight right it would be rather it, yes it feels it feels it, it feels very fetishy and that that thing bothers. she also did uh, analog hate story she did digital love story and then analog hates hate story I really don't like analog. Um, like I understand what you is was... that the one you said you wanted me to try? Yes, I think you should try it because I think you will also hate it. Um, oh, fantastic! I want us to be sort of on the same page. <laughs> but ba- basically, it's about it's her views about the fact that women are still, um, or, or or basically she she's trying to compare the future. She it's about a spaceship in which they basically made this girl. They they basically tried to recreate ancient korea and made this girl like not be able not allowed to talk and basically it's about how you know you know it's trying to draw the analogy that all women are you know that that sexism still exists which is fine but trying to say that basically we are still living in 13th century korea where women are not allowed to speak and exist solely to be allowed to um have children seems maybe overstating the case slightly and at that point oh, just I, a tiny bit and th- at that point i started to get actively offended like i agree with you that sexism still exists but once you start accusing me as a player of facilitating that i get kind of offended um because i like to think that i try to avoid doing that as much as possible i'm not saying i'm perfect but i like to think that i at least actively try not to do that do you think maybe it's uh it's a message she's trying to say as a consumer you are facilitating that no, I by think consuming she's... products like these um these visual novels what wherein uh, we'll we'll say right now not not a lot of them support this but there is a lot of things that are what well, kind of sexist in nature? Oh, I'm, a lot of I'm not going to disagree that, that that they are. No, I think she is actively trying to say that society itself is okay. Enforcing so these it's roles. it's a broader brush she's painting with. Oh yes, and once again trying to enforce like, her views on. And, and even if she was going to say that, like I mean, she and I could disagree on that. Fine, like that wouldn't offend me. Like saying that playing these, like yeah, some of these games are absolutely sexist. Um. Some of them I think we, she and I would disagree because there are some that I think she would probably say are very sexist or I would say, no, they're not. Um, just because there are multiple, you know, for instance, a lot of game, a lot of visual novels center around, and, and we'll move on to these, I guess, you know, center around, care, you know, a man who has, say, four or five girls who are interested in. Not necessarily realistic, but also not necessarily 
sexist common, in such a way. Common in 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 uh, that particular style film, of say. of Japanese uh, manga and and content. Yeah. Uh, quite often, it's it's called the harem. Yeah, the thing. harem effect. The the idea that that um, a handsome young man will have a whole bunch of girls interested. In, I mean, in, it's it, it's certainly wishful. Like it's certainly like male oh, yeah. wish fulfillment and oh, objectification. Yeah. But I would also say that you know a lot of the you know. For me, I think the line draws between. For me, is between, like I'll I'll, I'll say one of one of my all time favorite visual novels, and you and I have talked about this before. I think you've even seen some of the series. Is Clannad? Yeah. Oh, oh, we've we've watched the series together. Exactly. Um, you know, and yes, it is absolutely a harem series. But what I will say about that is, all of the characters in that series are very well drawn on their own. They all are very very strong female characters. They all have a sense of purpose. They all have a sense of their own lives outside of the protagonist. They just happen to also love the protagonist because he's a nice dude. He's very upstanding. He's hardworking. He cares a lot about the people around him, which let's be honest is good character traits to have in a human. Like I think Clannad is one of the ones that I would, I would most hold up as being not this because it's about a man who is a good role model being fallen in love with by women who are very strong characters in their own right and fall in love with him because he's a good role model. Uh, now, you know, it's I'm, not like... I'm not sure I agree with this attitude, but I think a lot of people out there would say it reinforces this this idea that by being nice, with, nice to girls that they are obliged to like you. Oh, I'm, I, I, in this case, I don't think that's how it comes across with this character. I would agree. That is... There are definitely visual novels that do that. In this case, I think it is less that he is nice to them and therefore they are obligated to fall in love with him so much as it is he is nice He is nice to and goes out of his way to help and solve the problems of the people around him, some of whom happen to be these girls who then happen to fall in love with him because he has helped them. And I think for me that's the major difference is it's not that... It's not that I'm, I'm a nice guy, therefore you must love me. It's, it's I'm a nice guy and I've... I've put effort into improving your life. Right. And therefore, I, and winning you and winning you over as a human being. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you dated your, you know, when you, when you dated your wife, you know, you did nice things for her. You bought her things. You helped her with things. You, you know, you romanced her. That's, that's how it works. Right. And, and, and that I think is the, I mean, yes, you could, you could absolutely read into these, that these are guys who are just, schlubby dudes who are being nice to these girls and then expecting them to fall in love with them. But I think, and there are games where it comes across, there are visual novels where it comes across that way. But I think that's the difference between good writing and bad writing and holding up bad writing as an inherent, like holding up poorly written material as being an inherent flaw in the genre is bad. Mm. Um, there, I, yeah. I, one, one example that comes to mind, I remember from, um, what is that? Uh, there's a channel on cable TV that okay. was all anime. Do you remember that one? Yes. Uh, I guess it was Cartoon anime Network. Network. Anime Network or Cartoon Network. Puzzle that. And and they had, I think it was Cartoon Network for us, and they had uh, anime right. at certain times, usually right after school. And my brother and I would watch that. And I remember one particular one, Kenichi, which was fun. Yeah. But when you sit back and you think about it, that was kind of the attitude that was portrayed was all these women who had their <coughs> lives and, and the guy wasn't even really good. 
good. He's just there, and somehow that just made everyone. Yeah, I, I I would call that like like main protagonist syndrome or something, where it's like they love him because he's the the main the protagonist. Yeah, without actually having any real yeah. redeeming qualities or or real interest. And I, and I would say in that case, it's not necessarily bad writing so much as it's just bad wish fulfillment, right? Like, yeah, absolutely, because because there's a lot of that, and yeah, and and that's I think something we we should really address. It's the elephant in the room with a lot of these. Is they're they're not even animes. There there is a certain kind of uh, fulfillment, yes. a, a kind of wishful thinking. These are a lot of these are designed for guys. Yes, uh, and and the understanding that guys like the idea of just having beautiful girls on their shoulder all sure. the time. Although there is there is there is becoming a a pushback. There are what are known as otome games or or, or girl games, which <clears throat> basically do the the reverse the the reverse harem. Um, actually, I think one series you may have seen that is at least a similar idea. Is, oh shoot, I'm gonna forget the name of it. <clears throat> um, the the Boys Academy series, right? Where the the main character is um, a sort of a not super attractive looking girl who then pretends to be a guy so that she can go to the uh, or oh, a host club. Or a host club. Yes. I remember that. That was uh that was actually rather amusing. It's it's really good, and and that's very actually well written. It's it's very much a parody of girl girl uh romance and, and, and you're right in a way that that's better because and in in a ways it had a much more realistic view on, yes. on how relationships go because yeah everyone fell in love with her right but in in unique and very specific ways everyone loved her by the end of it but only one person loved her in a romantic uh, way in a romantic well, way I, I i would say to some extent that is the difference between um like if we're being honest, I think that is the difference between girl games and boy games is, you know, girls want the different kinds of affection, whereas guys tend to be more, let's say, physical oriented. Yeah. Um, so guys are only interested in that one kind of relationship where girls, girls tend to want lots of friends. Well, require a more, uh, not elaborate, but. A more realistic yes. emotional model. Yes. So, I mean, yes. So, if, if we're being honest, like, yes, most girl games tend to be much more emotionally driven, whereas most guy games tend to be much more about solving problems and helping the girls around you and fixing their issues, which... Which people are just going to jump straight to the mansplaining thing. Well, I mean, yes. If if you want to look at it that way, you could argue is is a very sexist sort of split. But if we're being honest, part of the reason it is a sexist split is because they are, I mean, stereotypes exist for a reason, right? Like they are, they, they exist that way because they sell and they sell because they are popular and they are popular because they speak to some fundamental truth about humanity. Right. And, and that, that's not to say, well, we did use uh, that particular, um, or in host club as a good example of a, of a female. Yeah. Oh, there There are, there are plenty of them that are also bad and, and do also provide, uh, that same kind of wrong expectation. I, I, I would say that in, in, in both sides, the highs of a visual novel are very high and the lows of a visual novel are very, very low. And I think, like, you know, visual novels are two things. They are writing and they are pictures. And some sometimes they are sounds. And if one or the other of those is bad, the entire thing is, is worthless. Um, and there are plenty where, like, there are plenty where the writing is bad. There are also plenty where the writing is okay, but... You know, I will totally understand why some people might look at some of these games and say, oh, that's a little objectifying. Oh, that's a little bit creepy. But I will also say that I think there are a lot of them that only look that way from the outside. And if you actually get in in the same way that, you know, 
there are plenty of books that can look very gross until you, you know, from the cover and then you get in there and you're like, oh no, this is actually balanced and nuanced and realistic and all those sort of things. Yes, that that is true. And I, you know, I it, it is all about the writing and the context. In, in a lot of ways, visual novels are something that absolutely requires consideration of content before you consume. Yes. Because uh, in, as Americans, especially, there's a lot of mindless content consumption without, because you just assume that it's going to be acceptable in right. one way or another. Uh, with this type of stuff, you can open a really bad can of worms if you pull the wrong kind of... of well, there, I mean, there's that, but I mean, I would say that if you stick to... I mean, there are pretty there are pretty good sources out there of, of, of kind of what you're digging yourself into. Once again, use Steam. Yes. Pay attention to the tags. Well, I'm, I'm not even talking that. I'm even just talking like, you know, Japanese culture and American culture is very different. If you're reading a lot of Japanese visual novels, like... Japan views sexism in a very different way from America. And if you were used to American cultural mores, then yes, I think there are some of those visual novels that are going to come across more sexist to somebody who's used to a very American writing. Especially that, in this day and age where uh, sexism and uh, the, uh, the, those kinds of things are kind of a sensitive topic right now. Exactly. But, but that being said, I think that viewed through their own cultural lens – Many of them are very are actually very progressive compared to much of Japan, and even in in America, like you know, it it again comes back to the difference between, you know, it, like the Princess Peach thing, like saying that Princess Peach is always captured because she's a woman versus saying that Princess Peach is always captured because she's a princess and therefore a head of state. Like, yeah. if if you want to look at this as it's all sexist because it's male wish fulfillment, I can't stop you from doing that. What I would say is that it is only male wish fulfillment in the sense, I, in my opinion, it is the difference between saying it is sexist if it is badly written and it is not if it is good, good, well written because real human characters falling in love with other real human characters for real human reasons is good no matter what, you know, no matter where you find it. Or, you know, and some of them don't even have romance. Like, let's be honest, like not all of these are, are romance, but a lot of them are because... Because that's a, a lot mean, of what people are interested they're in. They're aimed these. at 14, you know, I mean, the genre grew out, like, let's let not cut around it. Like, the genre originally originated as a as a way of delivering various forms of hentai to people. Like, that's where it got its roots. So, at some point, it's never going to be 100% distance from that. Like, that is always, you know, that is always in its closet somewhere, is that that's where this whole thing started. And so, yes, originally it started around a lot of romance stuff because that tends to lead to adult situations, which tends to lead to the hentai, which is what people were originally buying these games for. Then people started putting in real effort, putting in real writing, putting in, you know, making it more than just porn. And then people realized, oh, no, wait, this is actually a good medium for storytelling. And then people started trying to make all ages versions of games because you know what? There is good story ways to tell stories through this medium because it's a book. And, and not only basically. that, but uh, it has to be recognized that romance isn't there for the sake of, you know, not always yeah, those exactly. illicit things. It's, it's still something that's important. It's, it's a part right. of, of life, uh, finding someone that you want to spend your, your days with. Exactly. So I, I would say that, you know, there are, you know, while those while that is always kicking around in the closet, and while you can always find plenty of plenty of examples, if that is what you were looking for, of you know adult visual novels, I'm actually I actually would like to discuss them for more from the viewpoint of 
as pieces as works of art as piece as games as those sorts of things so i mean you know again if what you're going for you know it is out there if you want them and luke is right like you know younger audience members especially you know be careful about what you're digging into but you know what if you want to find those i suspect you've already found them so we probably don't need to counsel you that much um i'm not your parents that being said, so, you know, for me, I would say that, you know, the, the game that I really want to talk the most about and the game that is the hardest for me to talk about is um, Katawa Shoujo, which I would say literally, literally changed my life in a way that very few games have. Um, because So Katawa Shoujo, for those of you who have not played it, was actually re- originated as a joke on 4chan. Um, with somebody posting a picture of a girl who was burned and a girl who was blind and said, ha ha, wouldn't it be hilarious if they made a, uh, a visual novel about characters like these? Mm. And then somebody says, and, and called it uh Katawa Shoujo, which means cripple girls in Japan. So is, is, is already slightly more, touching. more like disability girls. Disability mm. gr- well, disability girls. Yes. But, but the way Katawa, Katawa can have a very, very insensitive way of doing it, which is why it started as the joke on 4chan. Um, because, you know, Katawa can be, can be a very insensitive term. Um, and then somebody says, no, you know what? You could tell a very good story about this. So they, 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 they started, uh, working on it and, uh, they created four leaf studios four LS, which was all formed on the, um, four Chan boards. And they actually wrote it. Uh, I believe they actually used the backgrounds actually come from a school in Rhode Island, I believe. Really? Um, yeah, they're all actual photos that are then run through like the uh, the painty the paint filter on on Photoshop, or the the abstract filter on Photoshop. I'm not sure exactly which filter. Uh, uh, it looks like it's just like uh, they do some color effects. It's yes. pretty pretty uh, photoreal. It's it, yeah, it, it it feels very photorealistic. Uh, the artist is actually semi well known. I forget exactly what she's known for, but she's done other stuff since then. Yeah, she does look familiar. Um, I think she's actually worked on a more recent game called, uh, Con- Cherry, not Cherry High. Uh, but- That's uh, going on a, a visual aspect. Actually, now you mentioned that it's from Rhode Island. Looking at the screenshots, uh, that you've provided me here. Uh, it's a little out of place. Yes. Cause it's Japanese girls. Yes. Uh, in these schoolhouses that are clearly New England. Yes. The trees outside, uh, you can kind of tell that it's not actually in Japan. You can, but... I will be honest, after about an hour, you stop really noticing. <laughs> um, it, it does throw you off at first, but also you're not paying that much attention to the background most of the time. So the the thing about Katawa Shoujo is, so there's five main characters. It's, shoot, I'm going to forget. Lily, Emmy, Hanako, Shizue, and Ren. I think it's Ren. Um each of which has their own disability. So uh, Lily is blind. Shizue is uh, deaf. Um, Ren has no arms. Uh, Emmy has no legs. And uh, Hanako was in a burn. Got uh, was in a fire, and, and like half of her body got burned. And you are a character who has severe heart issues. Like his heart basically arrhythmia, stops. heart arrhythmia. Yes. So he has to be super super careful. Um, and he goes and for me, it was the Ren route that really, cause she has no arms, but she's also has some sort of a really weird mental issue where she occasionally like 
like I'm not sure if it's like bipolar or some sort of like insanity, but something about dealing with her made me realize that I myself had some health issues that I needed to get dealt with. And I don't know what it was, but just the, like there's this moment after you meet her where you've hung around with her for a few times. And then the two of you go out for this walk in the woods. And so for, for, for people who haven't played a lot of visual novels, most visual novels fall into what are called, there's two kinds of visual novels. There's what's called N- N- NVLs. And then um, I forget what the other one is, but basically there's some where the text takes up the full screen. And then there's most of them where the text is like two or three sentences on the bottom. And then you have the picture on the rest of the screen. Right. And there's this moment where you're talking to Ren and, I mean, I guess this is sort of a spoiler, but not really. And there's this moment where she goes from text on the bottom of the screen, text on the bottom of the screen, text on the bottom of the screen, to this entire wall of text that just takes up the entire screen and is just her just completely insane rambling about, like... So I saw the sky, and the sky made me think about this, and then, you know, have you ever noticed that the clouds do this thing? And then if you think about the clouds and then the way that they fall into the river, and then it's like being into a well, and then you're looking at and you're about, and just on and on and on and on this just stream of consciousness insane rambling and there was just something just startling about it that just made me like literally just like what just happened um and that game has several moments like that in it with the different characters like um emmy very much reminds me of an ex of mine um and so dealing with her several times i was like oh i know what to say here they make it look like this is the right thing to say, but no, that's actually going to make her much, much angrier. So you got to say this other thing here. Like, no, fine. You figure it out yourself. Not, I'll help you with that. You know, a couple of times like that. Um, you know, and each of the characters has this one or two moments where it's like, you think you understand what the character is like. Cause, and then, and then they sort of turn the mirror on you a little bit. And like, no, you think you know what you th- these characters are like, because you think, you know, it's basically like, you're thinking them of them as people with disabilities and you need to be thinking of them as people. Right. And so they do a good job of making you make that adjustment. It's yes, because there, there's all like every single one of these characters. There's, there's this moment where you think, Oh, this is the right thing to say based on like, like it's, it's always like a, a comforting type of thing where you're like, you can say this and it will comfort them and make them feel happy. And then you say it and they're like, no, don't say that to me. Like, don't do that. Like, don't, comfort me don't treat me like a lesser person don't treat me like an inferior being i want you to help me but i want you to help me as an equal and if you try to baby them and and gentle them and and be nice to them and sweet to them like at some point like sometimes you want to because you know people like to be treated sweetly but like when they get to these crisis moments it's like no the important thing is that they're still human beings and that they are still your equal they need help they just don't need to be treated inferior. Right. They they need help, but they don't need they don't need help with their disability. They need help with the things around them. Like, you know, Ren needs help with her art, not because she can't Ren doesn't need help because she doesn't have arms. Ren needs help because she can't focus. And Emmy doesn't need help because she can't run. She needs help because she's not sure what to do with her life. And Lily doesn't need help because she's blind. She needs help because well, she actually is the one who saves you. So she doesn't need help at all, but she needs you to accept that she needs you to accept her as she is and accept yourself, you know, it, and, and all of them are sort of like that, where it's one of those like Katawa Shoujo, when you describe it to people can come off sounding like this really like you want to talk about a game that sounds like it could be offensive and horrible. Like Katawa Shoujo is it like it could be sexist. It could be, uh, 
racist. It could be, you know, it could be all of these things. You know, it could be very insensitive to people with disabilities. And yet somehow it actually manages to be very, very powerful. And there were several times in that in that game where I just found myself, I mean, I cried during that game several times. I was shocked during that game several, like that game is, and it's free. So if people are out there listening to it, it is, it is a free game. It's probably 10 to 20 hours, depending on how, on how many of the routes you want to go down. And, you know, you, you could play most of it on a weekend and I can think of very few things to better do with your time. If you're, if you're going to be playing games anyway, I can think of very few better games to spend a weekend on than Katawa Shoujo. So pick it up and check it out. And it, and it's good because those of you, you know, it allows you to turn off the adult scenes if you want them to. Like they even put it right in there to choose how you want to do it. Um, like it literally is like all, like all visual novels should have, should be as good and well-written as Katawa Shoujo. Um, I will also say, like I've said, I'm, I'm a big fan of the key games, um, Canon, Clannad, Little Busters, Air, and then back when they were Tactics, I played uh, one, uh, Kits- Kitawa, whatever, Kitsu- Kitsue, no, Kichojo, whatever. Um, I, I, um, I don't remember Clannad very well, but I remember Air. Yeah, okay, Air's the one we watched together, that's right. That one was, whew. Oh, Clannad is way worse. Uh, I I think we watched some Clannad. I just don't remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We watched through the entirety of Air, and that yes. was just Air. Super Air, Air. Air. Air is heartbreaking. Yeah, we watched the anime together. That's right. Uh, Air is heartbreaking. Uh, one. One actually is one. I, I would like to shout out. Speaking of disabilities, one has actually is a character who cannot talk, but she writes everything on her notepad, and that I find that character. I really enjoyed that character. And a that lot. that kind of touches on the first half of this about. Yes. No. That was it. Was she was a really interesting character, and I liked her a lot. Also, she was super energetic. Um, I will say, Ken and Clannad, Air, and Little Busters all have had anime adaptations. So, if people are interested, they could go find those. Actually, I was going to. Uh, that was something we I wanted to ask you about specifically. Uh, as you can all see, uh, I'm kind of second fiddle to this one because this is very much Josh's genre. Yes. Not something I really get into very much. But as far as that goes, if you're interested in anime and you you look into the visual no- novels, how much of a difference do they generally tend to be? They usually choose. Clannad uh, is a little different, and Little Busters is a little different. But for the most part, they usually choose a route, and that's they try. Basically, they'll they'll try to do like they'll try to compress all of the routes, and then they'll usually pick like a quote unquote winner. Like usually, if there's say five characters, they'll so usually. Go, like let's say there's five characters, they'll usually do a little bit from each character, and then they'll have one where they'll go through the entire route. Now, and does it is it is it usually the um, the visual novel that comes first, and then the movie? Yeah, uh, in in uh, with uh, with almost all cases, I think there's there's one or two where where it's it's reversed, but it's almost always the the visual novel comes first. Yeah, I think one exception to that is uh, an anime I'm trying to get through, which is. Proving to be difficult, but not uh, because Stein, of... Steins Gate is what did come as a, was a visual novel first. It was. Oh yes, oh. years before. Wow. Um, yeah, and Stein the Steins Gate visual novel is actually, as I understand it, uh, much much deeper than the end of it. I would expect. Uh, yeah. But um, my personal recommendation, if you haven't, check out at least the anime for Steins Gate. Steins Gate is great. It's um, fantastic. It it's slow for the first. I don't know five, maybe twelve. 20. Yeah. 
it's, the first it's a slow series. five to ten episodes, it seems a little slow. It's interesting, yeah. But you kind of got to push through to get to the really I, I, stuff. once you get to episode twelve, it starts to get a real rhythm. Like there is a dry. Like once you hit episode twelve, it's really hard to stop. Right. Um. It, it sort of pushes. I will also say uh, they actually have three games. Uh. They're they are the I refer to them as the semicolon trilogy. Uh. Chaos Head, uh. Steins Gate and Robotics Notes. Um. I don't like Chaos Head. Chaos Head is very much a game about uh, perception versus reality, Excuse me. which I've talked before about my dislike of those games, uh, about a guy who's delusional, and there's a lot of a lot of murder in that one. It's, it's a very dark game. So much murder. Oh, yeah. People are dying left. It, it's, it was, well, well, we'll talk about this game in a second, but it was built on the uh, the Higurashi. It, was, it came out around the same time as Higurashi, and has a lot of the same idea. Uh, robotics notes I actually find really cute and the anime is really really good so I would definitely recommend that if you if you enjoy Steins Gate I gotta finish Steins Gate I really want to um... Steins Gate is you really need to finish that so we can talk about that because that that series frustrates me but I like it I like <laughs> it, it but it frustrates me it, it, it'll probably frustrate me but yes I will say all three of those so two that we shouldn't mention that I will not play and do not like but we should mention them because they are Probably the two most popular, ironically, is uh, Higurashi and Umineko Koroni. Uh, when the cicadas cry and when the seagulls cry. And both of them are horror-themed, uh, semi-mystery novels. But they are extremely bloody, extremely gory. Uh, they do, uh, Higurashi plays a lot with perception versus reality and people going insane. Uh, they made an anime about it, which is terrifying. Um, but they are very, 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 very popular. Um I think they're, they're the what, the two best-selling visual novels on Steam. They aren't actually... Uh, Higurashi isn't even technically a visual novel. It's what's known as a sound novel. Um, that's actually one of the ones where we talk about the NOVL format, where it's 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 large pages of text with a lot of sounds, and the sounds are very important. Right, okay. But it's about it's it's about a bunch of people in a town going crazy, and most of them are, are young girls. And I don't know, that game, that series just... Um, Let's say about not, that. Not not our not our cup of tea. Not but my we, cup. We of have tea. to mention it. We we should mention it because it is it is a very well known thing. Uh, I will also mention the uh, the Type Moon games are very popular, which is uh, Fate Stay Night. There's several in the Fate series: Fate slash Hollow Ataraxia, Fate slash Extra Codes. There's a bunch of them. Uh, there's even a couple fighting games. Uh, and then on the other side, there's uh, Sukihime, and then the Melty Blood uh, fighting game spawned off of that. And then in there's a third series that is linked to those, which is called uh, Garden of Sinners. I don't even remember. Uh, Karano Kyokai. Karano Kyokai. Uh, Garden of Sinners, which is an anime only, I believe. And, and a light novel series, actually. Um, which is not visual novels, it's just books. Uh, but Fate and Tsukihime are both interesting. Uh, Tsukihime is about vampires. Fate Stay Night is about magicians in the real world, in the modern times who are basically trying to find the Holy Grail. And it's, it's, it is a dark series. Um, make no bones about it. I'm not, I think, I think what I once said to somebody is Fate Stay Night is probably my favorite anime. And it is one that I would not recommend to anyone ever in any circumstance, but Why it's not? awesome. Um, it's, it's very dark. It's very bloody. It's very, um, there's some very difficult content. Um, for a lot of the same reasons that I wouldn't necessarily recommend uh, the new Full Metal Alchemist. Ah, yes. You know, it's 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 very dark. There's definitely some a lot of there's a lot of really weird imagery, people dying, children getting murdered. 
it's just it's it's a dark series. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I would not rec- I would not necessarily rec- it's one of those like if it is the thing for you, you will find it, and if it is not the thing for you, stay away from it. <laughs> like you know. Um, let's see a few others. Uh, Planetarian is supposedly very good. It's not Planetarian is weird because it's not. I mean, it is technically a visual novel. It's by Key, in fact, but um, it's not a visual novel in the sense that there's not actually any choices. So it is all just pure reading, and it's also not very long. I think it's only about 90 minutes. Uh, Utuara Mono is actually probably one of my other favorite animes based on a visual novel, but the visual novel itself is not great. Um, it actually combines a visual novel and uh, a tactics game. Right. Uh, tactical strategy game like a fire like your uh, Final Fantasy Tactics but it's about a guy who's lost his memories who winds up becoming basically emperor um, and leader of this village and then you know has to keep fighting and fighting and fighting to protect his village um, it's really good the anime is great the anime actually feels very much like uh, like a fire like Fire Emblem like, yeah like the Fire Emblem like Fire Emblem would be if it was an anime um, but I the, the the tactical part is not great and it's just too long it is just little, way too long little weak could use some reinforcing could use a reinforcing and just yeah it's just too long for what you get out of it um if it ever comes out in the u.s like i'm not actually sure that one has, has actually had an official uh release uh, i will also mention probably one of my other all-time favorites um and i think ironically is now much less popular but used to be like the go-to when you were talking about um visual novels that you played for the story uh, is uh, Kenna Emoto or Kenna Little Sister, which is about a girl who is dying of some terminal illness. And that sounds are, depressing. It's Oh, it's super depressing. Um, most visual novels have at least some depressing element in them. They're called uh, they're primarily known as Utsuge or, or Crying Games. Not The Crying Game, which is a completely different movie, um, but Crying Games. And um, yeah, it's about you as her big brother trying to basically make her last couple of months uh, happy. It's a really tragic st- series. I actually stole a uh, section of that and rewrote it as a speech uh, to about and and uh, for Toastmasters at one point, basically saying that I was the character in that story about uh, going off on a picnic with my little sister, or, or the character goes on a picnic with his little sister and ignores his little sister, and she gets sick, and so she wanders off, and she winds up getting stung by a bunch of bees, and he has to go. Uh, drag her out before she gets keeps getting stung and then she gets like even worse and mm-hmm. I told that story in my Toastmasters and people were so mad at me by the end of it <laughs> um, like I actually had people who were crying and upset and angry and I actually had to say look this wasn't a, this didn't actually happen this was for the storytelling aspect of the uh, I was working on storytelling um, please don't hate me <laughs> yeah like I, like I actually had people who were offended that I did that to him and I, I did actually wind up feeling bad but it is it is a like that is one that is like one 10 minute section of the game and that is one of the you know and it gets way worse from there so yeah it's it is a, it is a very sad game um but I mean you know you saw air air is depressing Clonad is depressing uh, little busters is depressing like they're all that whole genre is just the, yeah, depressing the, the, the maker very melodramatic uh, the maker of that specific <clears throat> uh, set of games Really goes for the emo- emotional gut punch. Yes, yes, they do. Um, I mean, you know, people die, people get sick, people get uh, a lot know. of the time. It's about uh, lost love and yes, and stuff like that. Exactly. Or yes, or carry, or people. A lot of people like forgetting who you are. Yeah, you know the real stuff that really just 
goes for the gut. Not uh, being turned into a bird, I think was one of them. Yes, her dying. Yes, dying. Getting turned into a bird, or not, yes, getting turned into a bird. Uh, so the last two that I'm gonna go through real quick. Uh, I will also say if you're looking for some good uh, girl related uh, ones, um, Hanako Games actually has several really good good things um, in in the visual novel category. Um, one is uh, Magical Diary, which is basically a female version of Harry Potter, uh, where you're a you're a girl going to a girl all girls academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're a girl, or no, you're a girl going to a magic academy, and so most of the romances are, are guys. So I've not played a ton of it, but um, I totally could see how this would appeal to some people. Uh, they also have one of my favorite uh, games, which is uh, Long Live the Queen, right? Which is uh, sort of somewhere between a visual novel and um, uh. Uh, a growing up simulator, yeah, a, ra- a raising a raising simulator, uh, yeah, uh, like um, Princess Maker. Uh, I will also say, and the other one that I really wanted to call out here is uh, World End Economica, which is just really well written. It's about a kid on Mars, and it involves the stock market, and it's written by the person who did um, the Spice and Wolf novels. So it really understands economics a lot, and it's got a good future setting. And the art, the art is not great. Excuse me. I'll be honest. The art, the art could be a little bit better. It, it, it feels a little weak, but otherwise, I really, really like it. And I think Luke, you actually do have one visual novel you could talk about a little bit. Uh yes. I I played at the request of of uh, of Josh actually. Um, Hatoful Boyfriend, uh, which if anyone out there is a fan of Peanut Butter Gamer, which oh yeah, I mean, he played it too. Who isn't? Uh, it's it's a dating simulation simulator and a visual novel. Uh, where you are an ordinary girl, you're uh, a cave girl. Okay, well, well, you're an ordinary girl who lives in a cave. Cave yes. girl is kind of a different kind of thing. She's a girl who who lives in a cave because she's the only human in the area. Yep. I guess in a world populated entirely by birds. Yes. And you're dating birds. How a boyfriend is great because it is four puns in the title. Yes, and then who knows how many puns in the actual. So, so, well, no, so it's, it's actually interesting. So hato, hatoful, uh, hato in, in, in Japanese means pigeon. And so you're dating pigeons. Mm-hmm. It also rhymes with heartful, which means love. It also rhymes with hurtful. Um, so you, you have, uh, four, yeah, so you have all three of those in the hatoful, hato, hato, hurto, and uh, there was one other, but I for, I'm forgetting it. Oh, hateful, hateful. Um, h- hateful boyfriend. Uh, so and and all four of the, there are actually different routes. Like once you get through, once you date all the pigeons, there, there's there's a, then a, a really fascinating ending to this game. Which uh, if quarter to three is still around, uh, Food Bunny did uh, or Angie, Angie something, and then she she finished it on a different form where she's known as Food Bunny. But she did a playthrough of the entire series of the entire game and 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 the the final root the heartful hateful hurtful uh root and oh my goodness what it what it, what it turns out is actually going on in this school is insane so it sounds like there might actually be some sort of core story so so yeah. uh i think i didn't even get through a single route in no. this game it's, it's, it's a long game it's a long game it's uh interesting weird uh yeah. and it really throws you off that you're trying to <laughs> Date pigeons. Uh, date pigeons. Yes. And they're like actual 
pictures of pigeons. It's mm-hmm. not it's not like anime pigeon people or anything weird like nope. that. Although they do have apparently human human reference graphics yeah, for that, each of the characters. It's, which is it's sort of a joke. Yeah. But they're actually officially the whole thing is sort of a joke. pigeons. And uh, my only recommendation uh, to all of you out there is don't date the teacher. Oh, no. Date the doctor. Date the doctor. Date the doctor. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Don't date the doctor. That's date the doctor. Gonna... Date the doctor. Don't, don't date the doctor. Do not date the doctor. Date the doctor. Uh, yes, they actually, actually the Hannibal Boyfriend actually started a weird trend because now there's one. Uh, actually, uh, Drew did a couple of them on Giant Bomb, one where you... Uh, one where he you can play as a where you fall in love with a girl who turns into a llama hmm. which is really badly tra- really badly translated i'll bet um and the art is weird but yeah she she turns into a llama and then there's one where they're tanks like you're dating tanks okay um that are human girls okay but they're still tanks it, okay it's weird that is weird it's weird um, but yeah, so I think for me that that's about where I'm going to wrap it up. Is I, I know at some point this just turned into a list of all the uh, visual novels I like, but you know I don't. I'm not sure what else to say because it's like I can't talk too much about them because being all story, it's just all spoiler. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I will say, you know, oh, I guess I'll kind of go back to my what I said at the start. Like there are plenty of reasons to not play visual novels. If they are not what you were looking for, they are not going to satisfy you. That said, I think there are some out there that do some really interesting things, and it's really worth looking into and not, you know, completely just closing yourself off from it just because it's not something you think you'd be interested in. Yeah, I mean, if if you're somebody who likes a good story, uh, interested in a little romance, uh, quite often that's something yes. up up your alley. But be aware of what you're getting into. Don't yes. don't pick up stuff that that you're going to regret. Right. There are plenty of of decent titles out there yes. that don't even touch and and i will also say that there are right now on steam uh there is something called tyranno novel a uh, visual novel builder which is a decent uh if you want to start making your own visual novels is a pretty decent way to do it um or if you don't want to do <clears throat> uh if you want one that's a little bit more fully featured and is is much more programmy uh renpy is great and is free tyranno is like 20 bucks so i would say Personally, I like Renpy a little bit more than I like uh, Tyranno. I think Tyranno is a little too, uh, a little too rigid. It, it takes a little too long to do anything. You know, when you when you actually want to start writing, it, it feels like it takes a little too long to get anywhere. Um, but I would definitely say that if 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 making them is something you're interested in, those those are two great things to look into as well. Mm. All right, and with that, I will say that uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, or pitch ideas. Please send them to us at uh, spitballsessions at gmail.com. You can check out our website at spitball uh, spitballsessions.com. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Kaholos, or I'm Kaholos on YouTube. And you can find Luke at twitch.tv slash thedrell, or he's the drell on YouTube. I'd like to thank Luke for joining me, and I'd like to thank all of you at home for listening to another exciting spitball session. Tune in next time. Till then, keep your feet in the batter's box and your eye on the ball, because we'll have another hot pitch coming your way. Thank you for joining us for yet another fun episode of Spitball Sessions. We hope you had a good time. Please pay attention as you exit the stadium to make sure that you're not run over by any cars, trucks, or other moving objects. If you'd like to contact us, you can drop us a line at spitball.sessions at gmail.com or on Twitter at spitballsession. Please leave us reviews on your podcasting platform of choice so that other people can help find the show. Remember, we can't do this without you. 
and come back in two weeks for the next exciting installment of the Spitball Session. Remember, only you can prevent bad games. And don't date the doctor. Date the doctor. <laughs> date the doctor. He loves you. He wants to keep you with him forever. In several pieces. In jars. How does a bird cleave? <laughs> with a giant knife. <laughs> and his arms. <laughs>